As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. You join me, Nick, here from the Mobile Houston office. Wednesday, a few days after the Kansas City Chiefs were crowned Super Bowl champions in one of the most glorious, riveting Super Bowls that we have ever seen. I believe the third highest, maybe fourth highest scoring Super Bowl in history. Obviously, we all are aware that there was an annoying little holding call at the end that marred um, uh, the opportunity for another potential sort of Chiefs-Bills classic type ending there. Uh, the Eagles would have gotten the ball back with a little under two minutes to play. And since they really hadn't been stopped many times that day by the Chiefs defense, except for when it really mattered the most, there's a good chance they'd be able to matriculate the ball downfield and maybe we would have we seen overtime. Maybe not. But regardless... Chiefs earned it. The Chiefs are glorious. They lose Tyreek Hill, arguably, you know, in the conversation for the best receiver of all time. I know people want to, you know, debate those sort of things. Or, hey, what about a guy who runs routes or not? But, 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 but you're talking about the fastest receiver in history, and he plays with Patrick Mahomes. So maybe I'm being – I'm not being hyperbolic there. Actually, I'm going to stand by that. But, so they lose an all-time great. They're starting more rookies than all but two teams in the NFL. And those two teams end up picking number one and number two in this year's draft. And the Chiefs are reloading, rebuilding, and they win the Super Bowl because they're amazing. And Patrick Mahomes, to me, we said this before the playoffs, definitely say it now, I think we, we overthink it sometimes with certain players. This is certainly, and I think by a pretty wide margin, this is the best player we've ever seen. This is dominance to another level that this win, this narrow win in the Super Bowl, or if it were a narrow loss, would not change how dominant of a player he is on the field. But with the QB wins thing and the Super Bowl thing, a loss in that Super Bowl versus a win does change the conversation around the guy which is fun from a narrative perspective, but there's narratives and then there's reality. And the reality is Patrick Mahomes is better than every other player on the field every week. Obviously, we know the stats. Five years as a starter. Five AFC championship games. Three Super Bowl appearances. Honestly, D. Ford has a foot off sides that doesn't affect, affect the play at all in one of those AFC championship games. So really, Mahomes would have four out of five Super Bowl appearances. And then did they lose in overtime last year to the to the Bengals? He's on the precipice. 
he's as close as humanly possible to five years as a starter, five Super Bowl appearances. But he's got three. He's got two wins. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs. He's got two regular season MVPs. And then there's also what he does in front of your eyeballs, which is make every throw in the game, make throws that nobody's ever made before, make them look easy. He's got a flash. He's got a pizzazz. He's the most fun athlete to watch on the earth. It's unbelievable. He plays with such a style and a swag, but like a functional style and swag that when you combine that with what a nice guy he is and what a truly hilarious speaking voice he has, he's just the most likable athlete I can ever remember. And I don't think that's being hyperbolic. I think you can go back and think about Tom Brady's trajectory. You know, Tom Brady was a piece of the puzzle for their first championship. And uh, it's a similar situation for the next couple championships. Obviously a very good quarterback. And then eventually grew into the, to the all world superstar that he became. The only other two quarterbacks I really can remember who just popped on the scene and dominated immediately where the entire team ran through them was Dan Marino, which I don't technically remember given the fact that I was not alive, but those seasons are well-documented man threw 5,000 yards in a second year back when you were still allowed to physically assault wide receivers which was an interesting time. You know, Peyton Manning would be the other one. By his second year, okay, this whole team runs through him. So we are are witnessing glory, and it's a lot of fun to watch when it comes to Kansas City. Obviously, we got to see Juju, one of our own, win the Super Bowl, and then follow it up with one of the dumbest tweets of all time. It's kind of poetic. It's kind of perfect that way. And having a team like that, like the Chiefs, uh, to watch – gives us some measure of of fun while watching football that we have sort of been robbed of since the decline of the killer bees in Pittsburgh. Um, And then, of course, thank goodness, thank the football gods, that the second half of the 2022 season in Pittsburgh was a lot more fun to watch, albeit because the bar for fun was so incredibly low. We we truly enjoyed the Steelers winning games by scoring one touchdown. And at half making fun of that and, and half actually being serious, we all know what we're watching. It's encouraging. Fingers crossed that they keep playing better and follow a path that the Philadelphia Eagles followed. So anyways, that was a fun Super Bowl to watch from that from that standpoint. Great to appreciate it. Probably not a good idea to let yourself get too involved in thinking of how, how far the Steelers are away from that because luckily you got two teams on the other side with the uh, Niners in the championship game and, and the Philadelphia Eagles who – would fall more into a Steelers category of a couple of years ago. Said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do without a Patrick Mahomes? We just fired our Super Bowl winning coach and MVP quarterback. And look at that. Boom. They're back up there. And what do they do? They take one of their front office guys and they say, you go to Pittsburgh and you build the same damn thing over there. So that's exciting. That's awesome. Uh, I predicted a Chiefs win for that Super Bowl, I believe, last week on the pod. And I think I mentioned this, but something... You know, the the prevailing narrative for the Super Bowl in which the Eagles were like 76% uh, betting favorites, like there was 76% of the money was on them. And obviously the day of and the night before, the line shifted a little bit as it does. But regardless, they were the heavy favorite because everyone's favorite byline was the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. 
But besides that, every single position group on the Philadelphia Eagles is better than the Kansas City Chiefs. And to an extent, that is correct, especially when you factor in, well, Mahomes is clearly the better quarterback, but the quarterback in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, is no slouch. He's a really good quarterback, I think, as he showed in that Super Bowl. And yeah, Kelsey's better, but damn, they got um, Goddard over there in Philly. So it's pretty daunting when you look at Philadelphia's team. Now, I felt that it was very odd that you were people were leaving out the fact that the Chiefs also have the better coordinators. They have the better coach. They have the better head coach than Andy Reid. Sirianna's a good coach. Andy Reid's better. He's an all-time offensive mind. And Spagnuolo on the defensive side, he's better than Gannon over there in Philadelphia. Also, the experience that the Kansas City Chiefs have, even with all those rookies, their Super Bowl experience – that's incredibly valuable. I know some Eagles have that too, and that'll help, but not the quarterback and not the, the real star players to make the thing go. That's a big deal. And then lastly, the Chiefs have the chip on their shoulder more than the Eagles do. For some reason, the world gave them enough ammo throughout the course of the year by kind of forgetting them after uh, Tyreek Hill left town. And then with the whole Burrowhead thing, which was honestly the perfect thing that could have happened to them. The Chiefs had this chip on their shoulders, so I just felt like those were, were far favoring the Chiefs, in addition to one fact that I wish I had said more strongly on last week's podcast, but the Philadelphia Eagles defense has always been overrated. And by that, I don't mean that the Philly, the Philly defense is bad. I just mean, hey, yeah, that's a really good defense. That's a Super Bowl caliber defense. But it is in no way even remotely close to the 85 Bears. And they feasted on the poor. And that's why the stats will show that out. It's like when people were saying the, the Patriots defense a few years ago was like the 85 Bears. The Philadelphia Eagles have no real weak spots on defense, but they don't have a single blue chip player. None. I know Hassan Reddick is great. He's not TJ Watt. He's not Nick Bosa. He's not Miles Garrett. Jay Wobble, Javon Hargrave. Of course, we love him. He's not Cam Hayward. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not, you know, the dude in Tennessee. They're just good. They're A players. I find it hard to believe that you're going to take down Andy Reid on two weeks to prepare for you and Patrick Mahomes, a combo who never – they never get sacked. What game can you ever think of besides the Buccaneers Super Bowl where they had a very comparative – a comparable defensive line, but the Chiefs were missing three out of five offensive line starters. When have you ever seen Patrick Mahomes get sacked a ton of times? It just doesn't happen especially if you give Andy Reid a couple weeks to prepare, and especially when the best quarterback-coordinator combo you played all year was Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, and they're just a light year away from Mahomes and Reid. So I think that Philly was really good, but the talk of them being historic was completely overblown in my opinion. I know Fletcher Cox, he was a blue-chip player, but he's not bad at this point in his career. It reminded me of when the Steelers were in their heyday with Troy and those teams. And the Steelers, you know, every single week, they're basically going to break the face of any other team they were playing. But in the back of all of our minds, we knew there's pretty much three guys you don't want to see. It's Tom Brady with Belichick. It's Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees with Sean Payton. Those truly elite, 
drop back pass game teams with great quarterbacks gave the Steelers a lot of problems because the Steelers never had one of those teams in their division. They don't get to see that very often. So we always knew, hey, those teams are going to, it's going to be night and day from beating the Ravens, who are a great team, but they play right in our hands. And that's kind of how I felt about Philly and KC. And clearly the second half showed that. Mahomes didn't even throw an incompletion. He had one throwaway. And four drives, four scores. The holding penalty, yes, it was definitely a hold. uh, And yes, they definitely let those kind of holds go earlier in the game. So a little anticlimactic. That sucks, but it doesn't take anything away from the Chiefs. That was a lot of fun to watch. Philly is going to have a lot to figure out with some of the roster turnover, but it seems like they have a quarterback and a head coach. And I've been saying it every week since they've been making the run. It should be extremely encouraging for Pittsburgh because everybody was pissing their pants when you're thinking, why we should have tanked for Lamar Jacks. We should have taken Lamar Jacks when we had the chance. We shouldn't have traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, and maybe we could have landed uh, Justin Herbert, maybe, or whatever it may be. You know, we're never going to get Joe Burrow in that draft. But it looks like power football is coming back. Well-rounded teams are coming back. Developing quarterbacks is coming back when you talk about Jalen Hurts. And there are so many examples over the last 20 years of teams making it to the Super Bowl without a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback and instead, with like a Pro Bowl level guy, look who the Steelers played. They played, I mean, I guess, you know, Kurt Warner is a Hall of Famer, sure. He wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the league that year with the Cardinals. He's just a good quarterback that had a good team. Matt Hasselback, another really good quarterback who the Steelers played against. And Philly has kind of shown that you can develop these guys. You know, Hertz is never going to be Mahomes. Just the, the pure talent of throwing the, the ball. You can never recreate that. Like Even Ben would never be able to throw like Mahomes or like Rodgers. Uh, and Ben's a much, much more sophisticated thrower than Jalen. Uh, but Jalen's game, it's three-dimensional. The running can no longer be discounted as a gimmick now that offensive coordinators are, I guess, doing less you know, computer duster or whatever they were doing before. Because, of course, you can still you can win with running quarterbacks. And just because a quarterback's a runner first doesn't mean that he's spastic throwing the ball. It's like the delineation should not be, well, you're either Tom Brady or you're absolutely horrible at throwing. That's not true at all because Jalen Hurts is a spectacular deep ball thrower, definitely one of the best in the league. And Lamar Jackson has a really good arm. Cam Newton had a lot of that same kind of thing. And Justin Fields has that too, even if they're not the nuanced rhythm passers that some of the other less athletic dudes um, who had to develop without being able to rely on some athleticism are. So you can build around that, and that's really exciting uh, because obviously Kenny Pickett's not a running quarterback, but he's never going to have the throwing talent of those upper elite, upper echelon guys, but will be able to make a system around his talents, and hopefully, with the help of Eric Weddle, create some of what the Philadelphia Eagles created with strong lines on both sides of the ball. Which leads into the story of the day, being that 29-year defensive line coach John Mitchell from the Pittsburgh Steelers has retired. So that sucks. It doesn't suck for him. That's great. 
glorious career. Did a great job. They developed a ton of defensive linemen in Pittsburgh. It's been a quiet strength of the team. You know, I always think about the edge rushers. And, oh, yeah, Cammy Hayward is good. Well, they've had a lot of good defensive linemen. Had some bad luck there over the past few years with, you know, signing to it and Hayward when they were in their prime. And really no one could have ever anticipated what happened with Tuitt's career just cratering and then letting Javon Hargrave go in that same time. That was tough. Yep. But the Steelers lose John Mitchell. They're going to have to find a way to replace him because they also lost Brian Flores, who we all knew that would happen. Mike Tomlin said before the season, hey, this is a rental. This is a head coach guy. This isn't going to last for very long. So, you know, can't be too surprised by it, but it does sort of suck that a lot of your defensive room is getting decimated at this point, and they're going to need to scramble a little bit to figure out how they want to replace those brains and that brain power in the room. Brian Flores had a lot of nice things to say about the Steelers. He said it was, it was almost too short his time there, I believe he said, and he made some friendships and some relationships that are going to last a long, long time. So once again, another ringing endorsement of the Steelers. Not surprising given the fact that Mike Tomlin and the Roonies um, really stepped up and, and helped uh, Flores in a critical time in his career where if he didn't have any job, you know, right on the heels of filing a lawsuit against the NFL, that could have spelled danger for the rest of his career. So, of course, he's thankful, but it naturally it does seem genuine and goes hand in hand with what pretty much everyone else says about joining the Steelers. But that's exciting um, that, you know, that reputation is upheld. And obviously those guys have made their mark on the Steelers, which hopefully will be able to uh, continue even if they're not with the squad going forward there. So unfortunately, they lose John Mitchell. And any other big news, I honestly, there's not a ton going on at the moment. Still waiting on some quarterback movement with Derek Carr getting released, see if the Jets pick him up. I kind of have a feeling they will be incredibly aggressive about that. Reports have said that they want Aaron Rodgers. I can't see a world where Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay at all. Because I could see him going to San Francisco because that's an absolutely stacked team. It's kind of equivalent of Tom Brady going to the Bucks, But honestly, San Francisco would be even a step further because the Bucks were sort of a sleeping, quiet giant. They were 8-8, eight and eight, but Jameis Winston had just thrown a record 30 interceptions. And Tom brought some other people with him to Tampa, and they knocked the draft out of the park. So they're a little bit different situations, but I guess what I mean is that Aaron could go to San Francisco, which is a great situation and a certain upgrade from where he's at now. Only problem is San Francisco, their de facto rivals with the Packers, they're in the NFC, he's never going to get sent there. So I don't know why Aaron would want to go to New York where there's a lot up in the air, especially when Christian Watson – and Romeo Dobbs sort of emerged in Green Bay. So you could even argue that the roster in, in Green Bay, even though it seems like they're, they're, they missed their window in those few MVP years, the roster in Green Bay is probably a little bit more attractive even than in New York, especially if you want to add the pressure of uh, that media, so on and so forth. So that being said, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. The Jets are dead set on getting a veteran quarterback. I would expect them to sort of back up the Brinks truck for Derek Carr, uh, especially with the report saying that 
the Saints have the inside track. I think the Jets would need to do something uh, sort of drastic to make that happen. But at the end of the, end of the day, you know, outside of, of being interested in the Jets with Cousin P. Butch, I don't care about any of the QB movement in the AFC. It does not affect us and what we are doing in building this sleeping giant in Pittsburgh. So we'll see uh, where the offseason takes us. And it's going to start with some necessary coaching hires. And I'll be curious to see what parts of the world they come from. What coaching trees do they come from? What ties do they have to the Steelers already or some of the Steelers players? We'll get to that bridge and cross it when the time comes. But until next week, happy offseason, glorious football season. I think this offseason will be even more fun than the prior one, given the fact that we have witnessed an extremely positive end to the season uh, that we just watched. And so that gives some real legitimate reason for optimism. I like that. So... Hit us up on Twitter, Steelers Outpost. Email us, Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Until next week, okay, go Steelers. Bye-bye.